Good morning, Redemption Church. My name is Stephanie, and it's a, a privilege this morning to read this passage. And it's coming from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. If, Therefore, <clears throat> since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were Still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word for us today. Good morning, everybody. Stephanie, thank you so much for reading for us. And Danny, can I just say thank you for, um, this is so sweet. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for praying for us. This is a wonderful thing that you're doing. Um, I love all of these connections that God has given us. Um, even though you might not know us, um, there are several in your congregation who have been a part of our congregation. I think our first connection actually, Danny, was, I, we were trying to figure out before how many years ago, probably seven or eight years ago when we first met through Charles Simeon Trust and we have developed just a very warm affection in ministry together and, um, and then actually even before we met, um, Greg, are you here? Where's Greg? There you are. Um, Greg was a student of mine at Trinity like a hundred years ago. Um, maybe not quite that long, but, uh, and we didn't know at that point that our paths would cross again in this way. So there's another connection. And then, I don't know how long it's been, Anna, that you and David have been here, but when you guys decided to move up in this direction, we just as a church had the sweet opportunity of sending them up here and blessing them. We didn't want to let them go, but... Um, we were thrilled with what was happening here. And then very recently, um, Mary's been here for a little while, Mary Dagfall, now Mary Town. And uh, Caleb and Mary are dear, very, very dear to us. And then Tim and Danielle, are you here? I think they're going on vacation. They're on vacation. I had forgotten, Danny, that they were up here. And they go way back with us at Crossway. So I love all of these connections that God has given with our church to say nothing about the chairs. Um, 
we walked in and felt right at home sitting in these, in these blue chairs. So such a joy to be with you this morning. I trust you have your Bibles in whatever form you have them this morning open to the book of Romans. Let me just give you what I hope is a very helpful overview of the book of Romans. Romans, as you probably know, you might know, is all about what God has done for sinners through Jesus. God declaring us righteous, justified, based on what Christ did, which we receive by faith. And we can see Romans develop that in four very nice steps. First, step one, our need for justification. That's Romans chapter one through the middle of chapter three. And then step two, the provision of justification. That's second half of chapter three and chapter four. And then step three, the results of justification, which we see starting right here in chapter five. And that goes all the way through, actually including chapter 11. And then step four, the implications of justification, starting in chapter 12 where Paul says, I appeal to you now, based on what God has done, live your life in a certain way. So we could actually think of those steps in terms of four questions. Step one, what is our need? Step two, what did God do? Step three, what do we now have? And step four, how should we then live? And so here now in chapter five, Paul is entering into that new third step where he will tell us about the results, the benefits of our justification. And may I say, it's really important truth for us to get. Um, we need these truths. There will be times, there will be circumstances, and not just every now and then, but regularly, when these specific truths that we're gonna look at today will be needed to fortify your soul and to revive your faint and doubting heart. This is immensely practical truth here in Romans chapter five. And that's why it's here. God wants us to know this and to have this firmly planted in our hearts. So let's look together this morning but first, let me just spend a little moment with Charles Dickens. Early on in Charles Dickens' classic story, Oliver Twist, after Oliver has been moved on from the boarding house where he'd spent his early years, and he is now in the workhouse along with a hundred or so other boys, they're doing their menial labor day after day after day, subsisting on a bowl of gruel delivered three times a day with the very special treat of an onion and a bun on weekends. Well, one day after finishing his bowl of gruel, Oliver is egged on partly by his workmates, partly by his own hunger to take his empty bowl and go up to the master, Mr. Bumble, it's a famous scene, little Oliver standing there holding up his bowl, looking up and uttering these famous words, please sir, can I have some more? And Mr. Bumble and his sidekick, Mrs. Mann, are just utterly aghast, 
completely caught off guard that someone should even imagine the possibility of more. After Mr. Bumble regains his composure, he marches young Oliver before the parish board where again there is this, this great astonishment over the audacity of Oliver Twist asking for more. And that request is the cause of great distress and great punishment for Oliver. You see, in that system, marked by this begrudging exactitude and stinginess and this strict enforcement of rules and regulations, it is absolutely out of the question to think that there would be anything like more. How different it is with the grace of God. How different it is in Christ. And the New Testament loves to speak of how different it is. With God, it is lavish grace, abundant grace. In Christ, it is grace upon grace, more and more and more, far beyond what we could ask or imagine, and we see that emphatically here in Romans chapter 5. It's communicated clearly by that repeated word, more. Did you notice that while Stephanie was reading for us? In verse 1, we have something, but then in verse 2, we also have another thing, and then in verse 3, more than that, and that's true all the way through this passage, in verse 9, in verse 10, in verse 11, three times, verse 9, much more, verse 10, much more, verse 11, more than that. Paul is beginning right here to tell us all that we have in Christ. And it's that word more that tells us that God is lavish with his goodness. He has given us so much through Christ. We've been given so much. Being in Christ, it's not as if we need to come to God and hold up our little bowls and say, please, sir, can I have some more only to hear, what? No, he's given so freely. He pours out. To use a little different image, the benefit package of being a Christian is amazing. You start to read through the list and you just, you can't believe it. There's this and this and this and it just keeps going. God stacking on benefit after benefit. You can see this through the next several chapters culminating in chapter 8. But here in chapter 5, Paul begins with this, this kind of tiny little mini avalanche of benefits this mini avalanche of blessings that we now have. In fact, six things that Paul names here, benefits of our justification, things we now have if we have received by faith this gift of righteousness from God, his righteousness applied to us in Christ, thereby declaring us justified. Just look at the opening words of verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, and Paul is off and running. So that's how I want us to spend our time this morning. I just want us to see what's here to set these things before you. This truth here in Romans chapter 5 is so important, and it's important that we know it 
so that we can live in the good of it, actually allowing it to shape our thinking, to shape our mindset, to shape our perspective as we go through life so we can regularly speak it to ourselves and to one another. But before I lay these six things out, I want to make sure this morning that we see that everything that Paul says here is resting on the foundation that Paul laid down in chapters three and four. Look back to chapter three for just a moment. Verse 24. Actually, look at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Paul is speaking there of our redemption through Christ's substitutionary death. In fact, Paul reiterates that very same thing here right in the middle of our passage. Look at chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Things, things were not right between us and God. Paul makes a point of that with all of those descriptions of mankind and of us. We were weak, we were ungodly, we were sinners. We were under his just judgment, but something has happened to change that. And what happened was, look at my hand, Christ died for our sins. This is a little thing we do at Crossway, just to remind us of the heart of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. When I was a little boy, um, probably maybe seven or eight years old, you know how little boys are in Sunday school. I just couldn't wait to get out. And um, so after Sunday school was, was done that particular day, I went scampering out of the room and I heard my Sunday school teacher call my name, Mike. And I turned around and I saw her doing one of these. And so she said, come here. And she said, hold out your hand. And so I held out my hand and this is what she did. She said, I will never leave you. And she folded up my hand and she said, that's a promise from God and you can take that with you wherever you go. And clearly I have never forgotten that. But what I want to do this morning is have you switch those words over to this hand and free this one up for the heart of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. You see it there in verse 6? Christ died for us. You see it again in verse 8? Christ died for us. Friends, listen, the death of Christ is the objective, historical, unchangeable, rock-solid foundation of your justification. God did something through the death of Christ that we could never do for ourselves. We were estranged, we needed to be reconciled, and his love did not wait for some moral improvement in us. Aren't you grateful for that? We have not done the least thing to deserve this. And so in verses 6 through 8, Paul points to the foundation again. He makes sure we get this so that that opening phrase of verse 1 sums up the central thing, this amazing thing that God has done for us. We've been justified. We have this new status. And now he says, therefore, 
since, and he proceeds to begin to tell us what we, being justified, now have. Six things, let's get them clearly in our minds this morning. First, number one, we have peace with God. Verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's be clear here. That's not talking about some feeling of peace. Now, God does that. He gives that, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the objective status of our relationship with God. The estrangement is gone. The enmity is gone. There is... Now this presence of complete health and complete rightness in that relationship, this language of reconciliation that Paul uses throughout here really sums that up. Look at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled. And please notice what Paul makes a point of there in verse 1. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God, right relationship with God comes through and only through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I find it more than just a little interesting that every chapter in this section of Romans ends by making that point. Look at the end of chapter five. Leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at the end of chapter six. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at the end of chapter 7, verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at the end of chapter 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You'd almost think Paul was trying to make a point. And it's the same here in chapter 5, verse 1. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's not think, and let's not let anybody else think that you can be good with God. I hear people say that. I'm good with God. Let's not think that you can be good with God if faith specifically in Jesus Christ isn't in the picture. So first, benefit number one, at peace with God. Friends, let's be careful not to underestimate this. Let's not let that be some small thing. I mean, think of it, the greatest being in the universe, God himself, who holds my life and my future. I tell you, I want to be in right relationship with him. And in Christ, you are. That is something we have because we've been justified and Christian It's something you should treasure every day. Second benefit number two, we have access to grace. I love the way Paul says this. I love even more that he says it, that it's true. Look at verse two. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Paul uses language here of of kind of coming into a place a new space that is characterized by grace. The place we were in, the atmosphere was, (laughs) it was all law, harsh, exacting, like some bleak workhouse in a Dickens novel. But now, having been declared righteous, 
We are no longer under the law. We've been brought into a new place where there's air to breathe. And notice, we've not just gained access. This is where we live. This is where we're standing. This is where we get to stay. This is not just kind of access for an occasional visit. This is where we live. It's continuous, and it is absolutely secure. I ask you, don't you love this place? I'm not talking about here. I hope you love this place, too. But I'm thinking about here, this Romans 5-2 place, where now my daily experience is one of knowing that I'm accepted, fully accepted by God. He loves me, and he has good for me. He loves to be gracious to me. Get that point sunk into your Mind, God loves to be gracious to his children. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? So this is something we have, access into this place of grace because we've been justified and Christian, may I just say, it's something you should treasure every day. Third, Benefit number three, it's this thing called hope. Look at the middle of verse two. And, please notice that, Paul is saying, in addition to what I've already named, here's another benefit, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul now begins to think about our situation in terms of our future He says, because we're justified, we are now able to rejoice. There is actually this this word here is the word boast. And what Paul means by it is we are joyfully confident of something. Well, what? what? What are we now, now that we're justified, so joyfully confident about? Paul tells us our hope of the glory of God. Well, what is that? Later in the book of Romans, Paul says, I consider that the suffering of this present life is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And not only will it be revealed to us, but we ourselves will be drawn into that. We will be glorified. The creation itself, Paul says, will be set free from its enslavement to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, we will share in God's glory. There there is an eternal, weighty glory ahead of us. In fact, the final goal of God's plan in creation and redemption is, I quote, to make known the riches of his glory upon his people which he prepared beforehand for glory. I'm just quoting here several passages from the book of Romans. Friends, we were made to enjoy and share in the glory of God. We have, as Paul told us back in chapter 3, we've all fallen short of the glory of God that he intended for us in creation, but in Christ, we've been brought back declared righteous, justified, and now we hope in, we have confident assurance of that glory that is restored to us in all of the fullness that God originally intended. And that that is something we rejoice in now. We are joyfully confident in now. 
So when you, when you walk into work tomorrow morning with joyful hope and someone says to you, what are you so happy about? What's the reason for your hope? And you, you could say, well, I'm in right relationship with God, which I'm really glad for, and I'm looking forward to experiencing the fullness of that someday the way that God really intended us to have it. See what that does to your Monday morning workplace. <laughs> and if they look at you strangely, just say, you asked. And by the way, I'm not being facetious at all. You, you actually could say that. A joyful confidence in the future should be a mark of every genuine believer. And the Bible tells us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us. That is something we have because we've been justified and Christian. It's something you should treasure every day. Fourth, benefit number four. And this one's going to stretch us a little bit. Here it is. We have joy in suffering. Look with me at verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, Paul's very aware of reality. He's just spoken of the brightness of the glory that is coming, but he's very aware of the darkness that can sometimes hover over and often intrude into our lives now. But amazingly, amazingly, Paul says, since we've been justified, we are now joyfully confident about our present sufferings too, because they actually serve to strengthen our hope. Now, please notice Paul's logic here is very important. Suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which results in greater hope in us. It produces in us a deeper conviction of the reality of who we hope in and what we hope in. Listen, nothing, nothing gets wasted in God's economy. God will use your sufferings, and one of the things, one of the things that God will do with suffering is strengthen your hope. God will show you that you are really his, which will increase your hope, which is where that wonderful truth at the end of verse 5 comes in. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Listen, that's not just some nice throwaway that Paul's putting there. Paul is saying through our times of suffering, during our times of suffering, God will, by his spirit, whom he has given to us, he will continue to pour out his love into our hearts, letting us know that we are loved by God. So rather than our hope being put to shame or us being put to shame for having a false hope, our experience of God loving us will show our hope to be real. Do you follow his logic there? So we can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that in our sufferings, God is going to be at work to increase our hope, not take it away. And he's going to be at work in us, assuring us of his love, which is a wonderful thing.
By the way, this is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans. And I love the fact that it's with reference to his ministry of making us deeply and refreshingly aware that God loves us. That is a distinctive ministry of the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. All of this, there is so much packed into verses 3 through 5. All of this we have because we've been justified. And Christian, it's something you should treasure every day. Fifth, benefit number five, assurance of absolute safety on judgment day. Verse nine, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Please notice after Paul has kind of in verses six through eight relayed the foundation, he repeats how he started in verse one. Did you notice that? Verse 9 begins the same way verse 1 started. Therefore, since we have been justified, and he now makes exactly the same point in verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You know, we hear that language of being saved, and we automatically think of our conversion, our first kind of getting saved. But here, Paul is using that language to speak of our final deliverance from sin, from death, from judgment. Yes, we are saved now if we're in Christ, but that salvation won't be fully realized until that day. Now, it's absolutely certain for those who are in Christ, that's Paul's point here, there is a day of reckoning coming. Look back just for a moment to chapter 2 and verse 5. A day of reckoning is coming. Paul says, chapter 2, verse 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now remember, when the Bible speaks about God's wrath, it's not talking about some uncontrolled outburst from God. No, this is God's completely right strong opposition to sin, and on that day, no one who is outside of Christ, will be able to stand. In fact, the book of Revelation talks about how on that day people will call for the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from the judgment of God. But Paul's point here in Romans chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, is that if you are, on, if you are in Christ, if you've been justified, declared righteous, based on your trusting in Christ's death for you, you will know absolutely nothing of God's judgment on that day. Do you see how Paul argues in verses 9 and 10? If God went all the way to secure your justification at great cost to himself, you think he's going to drop the ball on the goal line? You are the object of his absolutely sovereign, all-powerful love. He has rescued you. He has secured you. You are absolutely safe. That is something we have because we've been justified and Christian. You should treasure that every day of your life. Okay, one more. You, you know what I feel like this morning? I feel like I'm running down a hallway and just flinging open a door and saying, hey, look in there, isn't that great? That's for you, but we gotta go. Let's look at this door. See that in there? I mean, we could spend a whole morning on every one of these benefits. Let's look at this last one. 
It's in verse 11. Notice how it starts. More than that, more than that, more than all that I've already told you, Paul says, on top of all of that, verse 11, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know what Paul is saying here? He's saying no benefit is comparable to the benefit of God himself. No joy is comparable to the joy that is found in being in relationship with God himself. And this is not some, this is not some you know, special experience reserved for like super mature Christians. No, this is for all of us who have been justified. This is what Christians do. We, we rejoice in God. Do you see how verse 11 advances this benefit package to a whole new level. This is the highest good of the justification package. We've been made right with God so we can enjoy God himself. What is the highest and deepest and most satisfying benefit of being justified, of being made righteous? We get to enjoy God the way we were made to enjoy him as father and shepherd, and friend, and guide, and king. God himself, enjoyed by his people, please notice again, this is through Jesus Christ, who, as the apostle Peter tells us, suffered in our place the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us to God. Whom have I in heaven but you? And having you, there is nothing else that I need. As for me, David says, the nearness of God is my good. Yes, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. Friends, he is and he will be forever our complete satisfaction. We were made for him. This is something we have because we've been justified and Christian. This is something He's something that you should treasure every day. Friends, God's grace is amazing. What his plan for us includes is amazing. Everything here in Romans 5, 1 through 11, all this and there's still more to come, but everything here is meant to show you that if you are in Christ, God is for you with an amazingly lavish grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. All right, let me wrap this up with two very brief, but I hope helpful points of application. First, application number one, treasure this gospel. Treasure this good news, all of it. If you've come to Christ in faith, you're completely justified, and therefore you are at peace with God, you've been given access into a place of grace, you are filled with hope, you are able to rejoice in your suffering, you are assured of absolute safety on judgment day, and you are able to enjoy God. You know, as a pastor, I. 
I long for everyone who calls Crossway Community Church their home to be marked, clearly marked, by a deep personal treasuring of this amazing news of all that we have from God through Jesus. And I long for the same for you. One of the greatest impulses that we see throughout the Bible that should mark the individual Christian and Christians together is this treasuring of Christ and what we have in him. I love the old hymn, the line from this hymn, Oh, how happy are the people who the gospel know and love. Which leads directly to my second application. Express your gratitude to God. In fact, express your joy. I don't know if you noticed, but three times in this passage, we are told that we have grounds for rejoicing. Verse 2, we rejoice. Verse 3, we rejoice. Verse 11, we rejoice. You know, Martin Luther, commenting on this particular passage, wrote these words. He says, the Apostle Paul speaks as one who is extremely happy and full of joy. I love that. Extremely happy and full of joy. And it's very clear that he expects us to be as well. A major characteristic of a justified person is joy, especially joy in God himself. So let's just, let's be real for a moment. Let's just say that there's some hard things going on in your life these days. Let's just say that your JQ, your joy quotient, is being affected. Let's say it's around a four on a scale of 10. And then you hear the precious truth of Romans 5, 1 through 11. And you think about it, and you take it in, and you combine the hearing of the word with faith, and that makes you move from a four to a five, maybe even a six. I mean, that's good, right? There's some real joy there because of this truth having its effect, joy that wasn't there before. Now, please don't think that you're supposed to be at a 10, that you're not a good Christian or that Christianity isn't all it's cracked up to be if your JQ isn't a 10 most of the time. In fact, don't think it's ever going to be a perfect 10 in this lifetime. That glory is up ahead. We rejoice in the hope of that glory. But we can live in greater joy now than we would if this truth from Romans 5 was not known and not treasured and not operating in your hearts, in your minds. So much God has given us. So much more. So let's know it and live in the good of it, and let's allow it to affect us in every single corner of our lives, just as God means it to. That's why he's put it here for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for what he's done for us and all that we now have because of Christ. And so, Father, I pray for Redemption Church. I pray that you would make us a happy people, a people who know what we have 
and who know how to live in the good of what you've done for us. And so, God, I pray, pour out your blessing on this church. In Jesus' name, amen.